Retain Podcast. All right, welcome back to another episode of Gain, Grow, Retain. We are coming to you live. Uh, we're, this is a Friday in September. The weather has finally turned, at least in Charleston, so I'm uh, happy as a clam over here. Uh, today, I've got Sandy Yu, who is the founder uh, and chief growth officer of Revenue CCO, chief growth executive, excuse me, um, of Revenue CCO, uh, where she loves to work with companies uh, around challenges on customer growth um, and thinks about putting in strategies. Um, and so we uh, are excited to have you here today, Sandy. Appreciate you joining us. Thank you so much, Jeff. Happy to be here. Um, and where are you coming to us live from right now? Are we in your uh, in your office, home office? Are we in your you know uh, living room? Are we in your kitchen? I just feel like now everyone's coming to us from you know someplace new, uh, given the given the pandemic and uh, everyone's working from home. Yes, I'm uh, working from my home office. You can see a blur picture of my children <laughs> back when they were five. They're now sixteen. Um, I'm based in San Francisco Bay Area in a town about 20 minutes south of the airport called San Mateo. And oh. it was 92 degrees earlier this week. And we don't know how to do 92 degrees. <laughs> so very it's, happy now is back to a nice, cool 65. I love that. It is. Yeah, we've been uh, high humidity here in Charleston and it's been uh, like 85 just consistently day and night. And then I think it broke. So today it's like 70s. Um, so I've been trying to get outside. Uh, I went for a little walk with the dogs earlier, did a walk and talk with somebody else, a walking meeting. So, um, I feel you on the, um, on the energy or on the, on the walking meetings all the time, but yes. I do find it very challenging on walking a dog and talking at the same time. <laughs> yes. That is, that is hard. Uh, well, I'm excited. We're going to jump into, a, uh, I think some great topics today that the audience is going to get a ton of value out of. But before we do that, I like to ask a couple icebreakers, hopefully something easy, um, you know, get you warmed up. Okay. Uh, so the first one I like to jump into is um, if you were going to kind of like sweep a Jeopardy category. So if you were going to win like a category from like, you know, the first answer all the way through like the 100 through 500, uh, something that you're like, man, I know this like the back of my hand. Um, what's that topic for you? Um. How to raise good humans. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Um, and you've got two, you know, you have two of them. So um, that, that feels like you, uh, you know, experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I love that uh, response. I, uh, I like to give my answers to just so you don't feel um, singled out. I've given a couple different answers, but one um, that I've been going with recently, we've been uh, cooking my son's food uh, for him. So uh, that's been a very fun experience. We did like a hundred foods. It's like a, there's a methodology or a, uh, somebody put out there where it's like you give them a hundred foods over like a 90 day period. So they get to learn and taste um, kind of like expose them to right. everything. And right. so uh, that was pretty fun for us. We got to just uh, kind of like cook him a bunch of different stuff, see what he liked, uh, see if he was allergic to anything. See, uh, So for me, I would, I would say like baby preparing baby food might be a category right now. I feel like I could win, uh, uh -huh. you know, in terms of like the slicing of certain, uh, fruits and vegetables, like, you know, how they can eat in certain, uh, at certain ages. So, um, uh, yeah. that's something I feel like I could do right now. Do you have a hand grind mill? Cause that's my husband when they were babies, he bought a hand grind mill to make sure that it was super fine. And instead of the electric pulsing uh, coffee <laughs> grinder for the foods. So. I love it. Uh, I do not have one of those. 
but uh, I can I'm see how hours valuable. To you. <laughs> <laughs> no longer needed for you. No. Uh, all right. Second question I like to ask is, uh, what's like a great Sunday morning for you? What's it look like? You know, what are the things that you're doing? Uh, what kind of gives you the energy for you know a great Sunday? Like, what what's it look like in that morning for you? Yeah, you'd be waking up early, already having done you know my morning practice. And I don't do it all very often, but meditation, journaling, um, and then I go to have a tennis match where I crush my friends. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Uh, I love that. Uh, how long have you been playing tennis? Your whole whole life or is it a new hobby? No, I'm a volleyball player. I uh, played okay. in high school, not collegiate, but I played in a decent level uh, enough. But in a pandemic, that's not a sport you can play. So I pivoted <laughs> to a uh, pandemic safe sport. I played tennis and I played so much that I not only got tennis elbow, I also got golfer's elbow. Oh my I gosh. Go to PT. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Two injuries picked up from a new sport. Exactly. So yeah. So now uh, tennis, my sport, and I've also added on, um, you want to guess what new sport I picked up? Pickleball. Exactly. You're not cool unless you play pickleball. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so I also yeah play that. And that's a sport that I can play together with my family, which is fantastic. Yeah, that's super fun. Uh, well, I love your, your Sunday sport? morning. Uh, uh, what's that? What's your Sunday morning? Uh, so my Sunday morning, uh, we have two dogs and uh, I have our, we have a 15 month old. And so um, I would say I'll give you the realistic version. The realistic version is that um, our son is waking up before us. He's usually up about 6 a.m. right now on Sundays. Um, I'm usually like a I'm usually like a 6:30 or 7 a.m. kind of riser. Um, so he's up, and uh, uh, if I can go greet him when he wakes up, that's always like a fun moment. You know, you get to see his his smiling face when you open the door. He's he's pumped. Uh, we we go downstairs. We uh, we're usually going to make eggs for everybody uh, for all three of us. Um, and then we like to make a smoothie and then, uh, I like to get, have some coffee and so, uh, have a little breakfast and then maybe go for a walk with the dogs outside before the sun really gets up, uh, and is hot. And then, um, the kicker is it's about to be fall and I'm a huge football fan. So then the rest of the Sunday is like, uh, I need to figure out when, uh, my team is playing, which is the Buffalo bills. And, uh, then I'm parked in front of the TV. So, um, I try and get all my family time in, in the morning. And then I tell my wife, you know, I apologize profusely like, Hey, I'm sorry. I'm going to go watch football, um, for the afternoon. So <laughs> that's what it looks like for me. I, I get that. I get that. I have a friend who's a avid bills fan. So I will connect you guys offline. Oh, I love that. Yeah. There's, um, uh, there's few of us outside of like Buffalo, New York, you know, so it's nice to see other people, you know, we, we spread out around the country. Mm -hmm. um, awesome. Okay. So we, um, you've spent your career um, around uh, software companies and, you know, in, uh, and I think in different roles. And so I think there's uh, some great angles to the conversation that we're going to have today. Um, and in particular, the first one that we had talked about was um, this idea of conflicting priorities. I think, um, I think the last number of years, there's been uh, an interesting shift because you've kind of seen companies that have had to um, maybe change very drastically um, in what they were doing. So maybe the pandemic created uh, either opportunities or challenges that they had to work through. Uh, maybe there was kind of uh, growth or that maybe they were trying to protect revenue. Uh, and so they've had to you know, come up with what are the, these ideas? What are these priorities that are going to kind of ladder up into our business goals? Um, and so I'm curious from your standpoint, 
um, as we think about that, what are, are there any kind of common in some of the, the, uh, experiences you've had, are there any kind of common, um, conflicting priorities that you've seen, um, kind of between teams maybe, or between departments that you're just kind of like, yeah, this is a common one that people face when you um, kind of think about these competing priorities. Yeah. I think resourcing is a very common, common priority. Like, do I, put my people here or there? Do I invest my budget here or there? Do I invest in more people or do I invest in a system? Yeah. Um, and also, um, you know, leading big projects cross, cross-functionally, also globally, like, do you prioritize the, the benefit, higher benefits for the U.S. team versus the MIA team? Do you deliver, uh, do you get your one, you know, writer, tech writer, copywriter, or marketing resources to develop content for the EMEA market or the US market or the Asia PAC market. So I think those are really common ones. And then in CS is, you know, it's I think an awful one for CS is like, do I do, do I do communities or do I do podcasts and webinars? And and I think when when I have those conflicting priorities, I try to look at what is what's the cost of not doing those things? And you and I talked uh, before this is like, priority is actually one, right? It's yeah. the one thing that we're gonna do. It's not, I think I, I always chuckle when people say, yeah, these are the top 10 priorities. Um, they're not priorities, just a list. Yeah, yeah. So it's important to real is important to remember the priority is one. We can either use this marketing budget for this market, this market or this market. I think uh, I, I, I do not recommend spreading it because spreading it is just, it's not enough. You're not going to get the impact. And so the way I make decisions is I take a look at what's the cost of not doing it uh, as opposed to what is the potential revenue. I think a lot of people look at the potential revenue, but that's, um, I think potential revenue is, uh, is uh, predictive, right? You're, you're hoping. Yeah. Like it's just because you invest it all in, it doesn't doesn't mean you are going to get that revenue. But I think the cost is probably more uh, more realistic, more uh, could be a little bit more factual. Yeah. Um, so I, I like your yes, I, I, and I like the way um, uh, I like the way that you think. Uh, I know that's probably like a, yeah. a weird. I, I just like this. Um, I think very like maybe similarly in terms of like um, how to like structure. Uh, kind of a uh, a thought process in my mind, like so. As you were talking, like the thing that came to my mind um, as well was um, this. Also, this idea of um, trying to understand like effort for these uh, for for a given priority, right? So you kind of said um, you used the example around kind of the idea of cost. Um, I also like to think about the idea of effort, um, and the reason I also like to do that is um, sometimes I think uh, we end up. Uh, almost going to the end first, like we go to like the extreme and say, okay, it has to be the biggest um, idea it has to drive the most impact. Um, so therefore I need to almost default to that. So then what starts to happen, right, is uh, now we uh, are taking an idea and we're just kind of stacking it, making it bigger, getting more people involved. Now we have more teams involved. And now as you, as it gets bigger, that gets more complicated. That means that it needs more kind of process and rigor and structure around it um, in order for us to actually go and execute. And so the reason I like, I kind of brought up this idea of effort is um, there's a concept sometimes that sometimes that I think about uh, around ideas where I, I will say, 
okay, um, what's an idea that we want to do or something that needs to happen? Um, and then I think of, okay, what's like the one year version? So what's going to take us one year to accomplish? What's something that's going to take us one month? What's something that's going to take us one day? Or what's something that's going to take us one hour? Um, and the idea is that if I can get down to the one hour version, hey, what is that? Can I go test it very quickly? Like if we wanted to go run a new webinar series, the one hour version might be I reach out to five leaders and say, hey, I'm going to run a webinar topic on this. Do you think this is the right topic? And at least that gets me you know, something that of kind of action back and forth, maybe the one day version as I build the landing page or something like that. But anyways, the that kind of idea of thinking, I also think helps me um, as we're trying to prioritize ideas, like you said, there can only kind of only be one. Um, I like to maybe set up some of those one hour initiatives in order for us to decide which idea do we, do we really think is gonna go drive impact and can we kind of collect and get some early data? Um, and maybe that's a way that we can kind of drive that decision-making too. Today's episode is sponsored by Higher Logic Vanilla. Stuck in the past with one-to-one -one engagement? With Higher Logic Vanilla, it's time to move past the status quo and go one-to-many. We call it scaled customer success, and it starts with community. More than just forums, community is the destination for engagement, the place where customers become champions and build stronger connections. So let's go one-to-many together. Visit vanilla.higherlogic.com to shake up success. Yeah, I think Emma Lowe, uh, another CS leader in Toronto, asked me this question: How do you how do you know which customer engagement initiatives to to take on? And I love and what I said to her is exactly what you said: You need to you need to experiment. And I love the, the additional um, color that you put on, which is what's the one hour, what's the one day, what's the one week, and what's the minimal viable test, right? Yeah. You think about product, right? Yeah. They always have minimal viable product, but what's the minimal viable experiment you can run to get some feedback, yeah. right? And the other thing is, don't forget to ask your customers, right? <laughs> yeah, we always design stuff for them, right? Uh, we think that we know, we, we think we know them best sometimes. Yeah, and you'd be really surprised, you know, I mean, and, and they like to have input. Uh, when I ran the advisory boards for Oracle Cloud, they, they one of the values that they saw is to be the potential to influence yeah. our strategy and our roadmap, right? And so, and then people become more invested. And so don't forget to ask your customers. Yeah, uh, I love that because uh, I, I tend to go... Um... A lot of times you should see like my LinkedIn messages. They're just like to uh, like kind of random people, but like, you know, I might know them or uh, they're customers of ours or whatnot, but it's just littered with like, hey, what do you think about this? Hey, what do you think about that? Um, because like to your point, I, I like to try and just validate things very quickly if I can, because yeah. um, yeah. that validation just helps you um, kind of center, I think around like a good um, idea or outcome that you, you know, want to go drive. Um the other, the other piece that I was thinking about, um, and I'm curious, you know, from your experience too, on the um, kind of the conflicting priorities and um, really trying to make that decision of like, okay, this is the one to go after. How, you know, in your career, how have you felt comfortable making that jump to saying, okay, this is the priority. I am going to make this decision because there can be a lot of fear in making a decision because it's, if it goes wrong, it's on my name, you know, Hey, I, I'm kind of leading the project or maybe I'm the executive champion or something, right? Like there's this risk involved. Um, are there any ways in your career that you've kind of felt like, okay, um, here are ways that I get comfortable making a decision and really kind of feeling, okay, this is the right time. And I'm, I'm going to say, this is the priority and then helping to kind of rally the teams around that. 
Yeah, a uh, couple things to 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 add to that. For me, um, I I I believe that we all try try our very best, and that's all we can really do. So I I I get as much data as I can with the time that I have, because you can do research forever. Yeah. Right? You can experiment forever, and that's not the right answer either, right? So yep. I need to I need to set up boundaries for myself and say what is the level of what is the amount of data and insight that I need to make that decision? And I have to accept that I'm making the best decision that I can with the information that I have. I'm pausing there because I think a lot of leaders, like, you know, we, we put a lot of blame ourselves. I should have seen that, but you step back objectively is it possible you could see that. Or maybe the CEO is asking you, why didn't you see that, right? And if there was truly something that you missed, then it's a learning opportunity. Yeah. But I think inaction and not iterating is, is the biggest mistake someone can do. And we talked a little bit about how do we coach our teams to not have that inertia of keep doing things the same way over and over again, right? It's the fear of making mistake. I yeah. think that's... Uh, and the way I combat that is do as much preparation as I can with within the boundaries, because again, you 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 can research forever, you can test forever, and then never execute. And now the market opportunity has ceased. Um, I love I love that answer because um, I think often about time boxing as a mechanism to drive um, inaction or indecision. Uh, and so like, I love that you called that out specifically because um, I do think like far too often we let things linger. Um, we let things drag on. Oh, I'll just keep researching or I'll keep looking or like, we'll, we'll meet on this next week. Uh, we'll meet on this in two yeah. weeks from now. Right. Like, so um, I love your point. There was, there was a great quote from um, a podcast that I listened to. And the guy said, um, I even, he goes, I even set aside or like, I even time box my worrying. And somebody said, yes. what does that mean? And he says, he goes, I will, he, he, he uh, made this relation back to his own finances, like personal finances. So he said yeah. like, everyone's concerned about budgeting and all this stuff. And he said, once a month, I have it on my calendar. I have an hour and that is my personal finance time. And he's like, that's when I worry about my finances. And he said, Other otherwise I have given myself like leeway to say, you don't need to worry about finances every day, every time you swipe the card, every transaction, because I have the time already set aside, like we're going to look at it. And yeah. so I think your point though is valid. Like um, when you are looking at making decisions um, and trying to hold people, other people accountable, right? It's it's much more effective for you to say, hey, Sandy, I would really love if you could uh, go do as much research on our customer base as you can and get us you know, these three or four pieces of information. Um, and, you know, let's do that by Friday and then we'll make a decision together. We'll look at the data, we'll make a decision and we'll go forward. Um, or even better yet, you make the decision and tell me what it is on Friday. Like that's even better. Right. But I think the idea of also holding other people accountable, it's hard to hold somebody accountable. If you say, Hey, Sandy, go do some research on our customers. And like, here's the three or four pieces of information I need. And then everybody walks away. It's like, when are we, when are we all going to decide to decide? Yeah, I think now we're kind of like gearing towards a little bit of, of leadership approach, right? I think um, I think as a leader, I completely take responsibility when the team's not delivering. And it's because I haven't been clear, 
right? And I haven't been clear about the vision. I haven't been clear about what they need to execute and I haven't held them accountable. I think you mentioned accountability. That is really key. And, but the metric, I, th I think people think about accountability. Did you deliver this at this time, right? Kind of a tactical accountability, yeah. but it's accountability to the overall outcome. And I think what gets missed is that leaders sometimes forget to paint that bigger picture, right? There's that example of, you know, you have a, a brick mason, right? So yeah. they could be laying bricks um, or they could be building a church. That's a really good uh, analogy. I love that. Right. So what, what, are, what are we trying to do here? Do they understand? And what about your counterparts in marketing, your counterparts in support, your counterparts in product? Right. Like what are the cross functional teams doing to make sure that we are all building the same vision, building towards the same vision? Right. So I know you probably have lots of podcasts you can link to to talk about like cross function alignment and journeys. But really, I think when when we're only reacting to hair on fire issues, yeah, then 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 the team has more fear about I just need to address that and they actually lose some creativity right they're the ones that are in the front lines with the customers and they have ideas and it's our responsibility as leaders to cultivate that um, to make that space you know whether in one-on-one -on -one or group sessions for people to take off their firefighting hats and put on their creativity hats um I love that example too, that as you kind of like walked through that piece, because um, the other thing I think that tends to happen, and this kind of gets back to that priority piece. And like you said, painting the vision as the leader um, is when you give people multiple things to care about, then they're, like you said, they're, they're, they kind of narrow their own thinking to say, okay, like then I need to do like this task and this task and this task. Um, and then that, and then, then as a leader over time, what you start to do is you say, well, man, my team isn't stepping up. They're not bringing more ideas to the table. They're not kind of elevating themselves. It's because we've already narrowed their scope. We've given them three or four or five priorities to think about, and therefore they're just executing the task and the work at hand. Um, but back to your point, I think when you uh, take a step back and you say, okay, for this quarter, our biggest initiative is to grow our revenue from a specific segment of our customers, from this you know cohort of our customers, um, and you were able to kind of leave space for the team to bring ideas on how we could accomplish that together, then you start to see how they become empowered to say, okay, I know what we're trying to go achieve. Like you said, I'm clear. We have to go grow segment uh, revenue from a segment of customers. Yeah. Now I can bring ideas to the table. Um, whereas before I was just executing work in the day-to-day -day, kind of yep. down at my desk. Um, so I think that's an, like the other aspect of what you were talking about is just, it helps to elevate your teams and, and get their thinking um, into how can I provide solutions to the outcome we're trying to drive? Absolutely. And one of the one other tip that I want to provide to the leaders that are listening is that always do a postmortem. Is there a better way to say postmortem? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't. I, I still call them that as well. It, it comes from the product, you know, product management world, right? So after you deliver a software product, you actually talk about what happened, how how did it happen, what went well, what didn't go well. I think we can apply that to all of the programs and projects that we do and even just the the delivery of the priority 
Yeah. Right? So because if we never look back, then we can't improve, right? If you're just, if you'd like, okay, good, that prayer assignment, go to the next, like, but if we took a little bit of time, just review, um, a post-mortem is going back and review. I think I'm, I messed this, like, what went well? What didn't go well? What did we learn? What do we want to do differently? Because that's important because what do you want to do differently? Then you can apply that immediately to the next priority, right? Maybe communications can be better. Maybe yep. we should have done more things on Slack. Maybe we should have uh, included a survey to the customers afterwards. Maybe we need to do, to do better um, upward management of information. Yeah. So all that comes from post-mortem and I think it's, it's missed often. So that's one thing I would really encourage all of the leaders that are listening is to really incorporate post-mortems into what you do. And I'll give you um, a prime example uh, and how maybe like we also do this um, and we try and do it very quickly. Uh, or like you said, we not quickly might not be the right answer. We try and do it very uh, efficiently, I guess, because uh, you also don't want to lose momentum on the information that people have from the uh, activity itself. So we threw an event for our Gang Gartain community on Tuesday. Um, we had 200 people there and um, great time and whatnot. And then Wednesday morning, the first thing that um, we did is we sent a Word doc uh, around to the five people that were from our company that were there. Um, and like you said, it has um, the first section is just metrics. And so we had two two bullet points on metrics and we had two little charts that we put in there. And then there's three questions we asked, which is, um, what do you think people were raving about? Um, what do you think people were complaining about? And then what do you think uh, if in hindsight, like, you know, what did we miss or what's the opportunity that we felt like was on the table? And those are just three questions. Anybody from those five people can go list anything in that document. Um, and then we schedule uh, a quick minute, like a quick 15 to 20 minutes to review that together. Um, and then we kind of highlight, okay, what are, what are things that we can control that we feel like we can go do for the next time? Um, so we've done that for five events. Um, mm -hmm. I think they're getting better, but that's just a really quick example. Like it, we don't try to overcomplicate it. We don't try to put it into, I mean, it's literally just a word doc that we share out and everybody contributes and it's like the easiest it's in a Slack thread, um, in terms of a link and everybody's in it. And it just, I don't know, it's worked really well for us. So I'm, I'm with you on that one. Yeah. One other thing is don't forget to, to share the good, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, postmortem is not just to say, what can you improve, but what do you do really well? Yeah. And like, almost think, to like double down on those, right? Like, yeah, you are, want are to double down on that. Like, Hey Jeff, you did, you did such a great job, you know, doing the introduction and we want you to continue the introduction. And so it's an opportunity um, to, to really, if you put it into a practice, Right? Yeah. Not just one off, put it into practice. This is what we do after we have initiatives. This is what we do after we complete, you know, priorities uh, or events. And then it just become part of the operating model of your company. Um, and it really cultivates this growth mindset because it's a safe place for people to share feedback. Yeah. Um, I love that. Another, another thing that we were chatting about, um, I think that uh, goes along this kind of priority and, you know, how do we drive impact is um, this idea that, you know, sometimes our, our teams get into comfortable routines and I think comfortable routines, um, they have a healthy, uh, they have a healthy uh, range of outcomes, but it's a very minimized range of outcomes, right? We kind of, it's like, uh, we kind of know, you know, we're going to get one to 2% of good and we're going to get one to 2% of bad um, and, or bad maybe, um, or opportunities we can improve. Um, 
so, you know, are there, are there ways, you know, as, as we kind of thought about this priority discussion, the thing that also kind of jumped to my mind is, um, you know, are we kind of playing it safe too often? Like, you know, how come we're not driving at like 10%, you know, on, on the either side, right. You know, of a, of a margin we'll say. Um, but is there, when you kind of think about, you know, driving a priority and trying to drive real impact for the business, um, how do we get our teams to feel comfortable in, Hey, we, we don't always have to go for the, uh, 1% or 2% of, uh, growth. We can go for the, you know, 10%, um, even though it might come, uh, with a higher rate of failure, we still think that that's a good and kind of healthy opportunity for us to go after. Is there a way that you've tried to, you know, get your teams and, um, your, your, you know, your fellow leaders comfortable with saying, Hey, we can go after these bigger things. Yeah. I would have to say I don't have the perfect answer. I've experimented a lot uh, with a lot of different things. Um, First of all, as a a leader, in order to get my team to um, dream bigger, uh, it's looking at their capabilities. Do they feel like they have uh, the agency to do that? Do they understand what it means to think bigger? Do they have the interest? Right. So you have to look at the capabilities of your team and you have to understand what are what are they interested in doing? What are they interested in learning? I think when they get to uh, work on projects that are that they're interested in, if they feel they're learning and growing, then they can tend to be more creative. And as a leader, you have to cultivate that uh, environment that is safe. And you have to be willing to let them fail. It's not fair to say, yeah, dream big. And then say, I can't believe you didn't deliver that. Right? So as a leader, you have to make space for them to fail safely and help them learn from that. Because it feels terrible to fail. Right? Yeah. Maybe, they, they, maybe they have they have this idea and they tried it and, and it didn't work out. Um, you know, a, a typical example is give him some visibility, let him run a meeting, and the meeting was terrible, <laughs> and nobody know, right? Uh, yeah. and, and then you get your leaders like, why did you have this person lead it? It's like, well, it's a learning opportunity. But better yet, if as a leader, you're going to have someone on your team lead an initiative, really ask the other leaders to, to take this opportunity to coach them as well. Right. I'm going to let Jeff lead this initiative that's cross-functional. He's only done this. This is his capability. We're trying to do this. Hey, you know, marketing VP or sales director, when you see something, go ahead and engage with Jeff directly because Jeff is open to that. Um, so that I feel like giving people opportunity and also just cultivating that safe environment to let them know that I know you're not going to hit it out of the park the first time. But this is why we're playing in a smaller park this time, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not taking you to Big Green. Is that what they call Boston? Big Green? <laughs> uh, I'm not taking you to the big park, right? Yeah. Right away, right? Um, we're going to experiment with you. And when when your team feel that you are, you are for them, that's when they're going to feel safe. That's when they're going to work super hard instead of, being fearful of, am I going to lose my job? Yeah. Um, 
I have another example that just popped in my mind um, around that just to give like a kind of an actionable. Um, I've got a, a product marketing uh, leader on my team um, who wanted to design a uh, kind of a quarterly insight session across um, our business. And so that we could consolidate feedback uh, more regularly and in, in into kind of one forum, we could uh, really look at some like insights and data around our product and uh, the markets and our customers and whatnot. Uh, and like you said, like the the thing that kept sticking out to me was, uh, you know, allowing her to go and craft like everything from start to finish. Right. And just uh, the, the biggest thing that we can do is uh, yeah. Hey, let me connect you with this person or this person or that person, right? Like I can help kind of be a connector for you or something, right. I can kind of help in that setting, but then, you know, she was the one who designed the meeting, the slides, she got the data together. Uh, she really, you know, worked with their, her counterparts to kind of fill out the story. So it wasn't even just her presenting the whole time. It was four or five presenters uh, and it just came across so well. Right. But that's like the, to me, that that's like a great um, encouragement of getting your team, getting your team members out there and across the organization too, because uh, that's also how you uh, develop leaders in the business. And that's also how you get ideas that don't just stay siloed in one team or one department. You kind of now, now she has a relationship with somebody from sales and product and customer mm -hmm. success and now marketing and all this. And so now it's um, she's got kind of tentacles into other parts of the org that can, you know, flourish in other parts or other ways when we have, you know, maybe initiatives down the line. Yeah. Jeff, I, I bet some of your listeners are saying, yeah, that sounds like a conflicting priority because I need her to work on her customers. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, so it does. How do you, how do you find the time for your, for, for your team members to actually go and do something like that when there's, you know, they're dealing with 20, 30 customers and, you know, there's an outage in the product. So that so that I think there there is a you know um, there are some like fire moments right if the if the outage or there, there's a product outage right like stuff like that takes priority from um, you know from anybody's day but I think the the thing that I've tried to do um, in those types of situations is to um, almost like sit there and um, be help them be comfortable with how much time are they going to spend around this, right? So, hey, let's do kind of a, we don't have to go actually do an analysis, but hey, let's just do a quick time and motion study for you this week. Okay, what percentage do we think you're gonna spend on customers? Yeah. Uh, how we're gonna basically put this in? So that's a priority, right? So back to your point, um, if you have like a CS team or CSMs that have books of business, right? They're gonna have a certain amount of activities that they need to do, but I wanna make sure that this is that priority of like, the project that they're working on when they're not talking to a customer. So like, Hey, what's the one thing that I want you to be doing when you're not talking to customers? And can I make sure that we allot time in it for your week, instead of just saying, Hey, do it in your off hours or just do it when you have time, but let's wow. actually dedicate and say, okay, 20% of your time this week should be like carved off for this initiative. And you should feel comfortable. You know, if you need to spend more, do, do more, but like feel comfortable spending that time doing it. Yeah, I totally agree. And one thing just, um, for, for newer leaders is that people may not know how to separate their time. Your team yeah. may not know what it means to have 20% of the time. So I think we have to take the time, things that we take for granted because it was taught to us when yeah. we were ICs, uh, individual contributors, then just make sure to explain that to your team really well so that they can actually execute on it. Yeah, uh, I love that. I uh, We've been 
we've been chatting so effortlessly that I just um, looked up at the clock and um, it's, you know, we're already getting towards the end here. Um, so I just wanted to summarize just for um, a little bit and, um, and then help us wrap up. And I think the big things that I wrote down, um, I tend to write notes while I podcast. And to me, um, I feel like it's a good sign. Well, I feel like it's a good (laughs) sign because like I, if you're saying something and I'm like, uh, writing something down, uh, it's because I, you know, I loved it. So, um, we talked about conflicting priorities and, um, I think the thing that just stuck out for me was your idea of, Hey, there, there can only be one priority. Uh, we need to make sure that there is alignment around what that is. We need to make sure that that's clear for the team to understand. Um, and there also needs to be like how that, how that priority, uh, kind of ladders up into the business, right? So you kind of laid the idea of, um, are we laying bricks? Or are we building a church? And so you need to paint the vision of how the priority is impacting the business so that your teams can connect with that. So if I can connect to that priority, I can connect to the business. Um, and then the other thing that I think we um, talked quite a bit about too, was just this idea of, um, of how do you, uh, how do you, how do you help your teams feel comfortable in making decisions, uh, feeling comfortable about kind of taking risks maybe trying to find ways to drive more value, but just getting your teams in comfortable spaces, comfortable environments, um, and really how does that kind of leadership quality um, come through? So I think those are the two kind of big uh, things that I took away from today. Uh, and I think we talked quite a bit about, so um, I think there's a ton of actionable things in here. Uh, I do think that this is uh, really focused on helping somebody develop some leadership skills and some uh, ways to think about business. So I love that we did this. Uh, and I think there's going to be a lot of value in it for um, the listeners out there. So, um, Sandy, this is your time to shine now around, um, where can people find you? What can they, you know, where can they, um, learn more about you and your work and, um, your business? What's the best place to, uh, to send them? Yeah, you can, uh, find me at sandyu.com. So it's pretty hard, hard to forget just my name, Sandy. And there's two Y's in there, sandyyu.com. And you can find me on LinkedIn on Sandy SU. So basically look for me on my name, then you'll be able to find me. But I'd love to connect and I'm going to a lot of, it's conference season, like, you know, so I'm going to uh, Saster. Awesome. Yep. Uh, also uh, TechCrunch Disrupt and I'm going to the East Coast in in, uh, October. So mid-October, I'm going to New York City for Tech Week. So if anyone is going to be at any of those places, please let me know because I love to meet people in person. And instead of coffee, I like to go for walks. So bring your walking shoes. I love that. Um, And I will make sure we'll we'll drop those in the um, description in the show notes. um, And we'll make sure and link out to um, all the relevant places. But um, I really enjoyed this. I appreciate you coming on and doing it. It was great to... Uh, to meet you and uh, we're going to do this again soon. I can feel it. Thanks so much, Jeff. Take care. Hey everybody, Jay here. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. You know, this started as a labor of love for Jeff and I a couple of years ago, and it's really turned into a movement around customer success and community, and we couldn't be more thrilled to be a part of it. Uh, we grow this by word of mouth, so we'd we'd love it if you're willing and you find value in what you hear on this podcast. Leave us a rating or a review on, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It'll help us grow and, and provide value to more customer success professionals. Also, if you haven't yet, please sign up for Gain, Grow, Retain, the online community. It's gaingrowretain.com. You can meet other people, make one-on-one connections, share ideas, get ideas, grow your career ultimately. Um, 
be on the lookout also for live events, both in person and virtual this year. We're excited to get back to that. And thanks for being part of the community. We look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you.